0: hey everyone i'm hannah this is kelty we're upbringing hello we're here for our live q a to talk about our kids big feelings and challenging behaviors our own big feelings and challenging behaviors (laughs) and how we can use or practice at least powers beyond control in our parenting whenever we can why do we want to do that Cal? oh gosh So many reasons. One, it feels better. Two, it aligns with our progressive ideals. Three, it creates a really nice relationship with our kids that feels better, not worse. Mm -hmm. Um, Four, I'm running out of numbers, but there are about a 100 why we're trying to practice these powers beyond control with our kids, which we can't always do. So I I just want to make that really clear, too. I think that, Mm -hmm. gosh, when we're doing this parenting work, when we're realizing that... um, we're showing up in ways that we're culturally conditioned to us, right? That like don't necessarily feel so great when our kids are resisting us, when they're challenging us, at dinner, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, at the park, mm-hmm. at school, all of these things. Um, I think it can feel like, wow, we have to do this perfectly. Oh man, we suck. Mm-hmm. We're so bad. And I think that so much about upbringing, what we're talking about, what we want to talk to you all tonight about, is saying we're all doing the best we can, right, with the mm-hmm. skills we currently have. Hi, Lacey. Hi, Liz. Um, And what can we do to support ourselves better in these Mm -hmm. challenging moments with our kids? What can we do to support them better and our relationship better? This is progress over perfection, everybody. And that's what we like to talk about. So some folks are already chiming in with some challenges going on. If you're Mm -hmm. listening here on uh, the Instagram live, let us know what's happening with you and your kids right now. Yeah. I also want to just promote for a minute our upbringing collective. So our new membership community that launched in September, that has been so awesome to be part of. We've got a handful, big handful of of, (laughs) like handful sounds like five people, but like, (laughs) no, we've got a really great community going. We've got a lot, a lot happening, kind of engaging about these topics that are, that everyone's struggling with around. Like you said, Hannah resistance, bedtime, mealtime, hygiene stuff, school stuff, sibling stuff, Um, Big feelings, anxiety, so many of the things and how we can be supporting our kids' nervous systems um, and and brains, how we can be supporting our own through that same process. Mm -hmm. So check out our website to see if that could be a good fit for you and your family. Yeah, love that. It's been a really fun month. October has been pretty great. Mm -hmm. So someone mentions my two and a half year old that screams what she wants, help. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, screaming kids, man. And I think when we think about gosh, competing needs Mm -hmm. are two and a half year olds. It's so developmentally normal that they want to scream that they don't necessarily have the the impulse control or the emotional regulation, right? To -hmm. say things like, Hey mom, could you actually give me a little more milk or, (laughs) Oh, I wanted more Mac and cheese, or I actually want you to sit here to read me my bedtime book and not Mm here or whatever it is. They just don't have that yet. And then when we think about our needs, most of us here who are here are, are sensitive people, right, who are maybe empaths who are a little bit more spongy or who are just maxed out, right, by the chronic demands of our kids. So it's a really tricky situation. I just want to normalize it that like we don't need to look at it uh, from like a pathological perspective on our kids yelling what Mm -hmm. they're actually doing. And what we talk about so much in the collective is trusting in what our kids are doing Mm -hmm. as being developmentally appropriate for them to regulate their nervous systems mm-hmm. and meet their needs the best they can with the skills they currently have. Yeah. So when that happens, can we yeah. be like, okay, so they're yelling their needs now. When they're yelling, that means they really need it or they really need something. It might right. not be the milk, it might not be the spoon, it might not be that thing, but they're needing something and more often than not, their body's needing something. Liquid, food, movement, even to just simply yell because when you think about yelling, yelling triggers the vagus nerve, which is the cranial nerve, cranial nerve 10 that starts in the base of your skull and goes throughout your chest and abdomen, all the way down your body, all the way to the end Mm -hmm. area. And it regulates the nervous system and it sends signals both ways. And so yelling, singing, laughing, humming, gargling, doing the motorboat, which your kids used to do, (gasps) that type of thing, all of those noises that our kids make and usually when they're yelling louder, it's not just because they lack the impulse control to say it nicer or quieter, it's because they're also seeking unconsciously to regulate their nervous system. So it's a very common thing for toddlers, especially, and then mm-hmm. even kids and even older kids to yeah. use to get their needs met. I want to point too, to the fact that two and a half year olds may be starting to go to... Um, Kind of a daycare situation, or older kids going to school—they're regulating their nervous systems all day. They're holding it together. They're doing the things. They're saying yes, please, no, thank you. I'm doing coat on, shoes off, all the stuff. Crisscross applesauce. Then they get home and they're just like, "Get me that fucking milk now!" Yeah. And I think that we have to be trying to, yeah, look at their at their kind of explosions of of needs as max in their capacity. How can mm. we just be translating that? Wow. You really want milk. You were like, you're so ready for milk right this minute. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Our, our membership community, the collective is doing a monthly book club. And our book club this month is Mona Della hook's book, brain body parenting. Mm-hmm. And she talks so much about the body budget mm-hmm. that our kids have. And that we have thinking right. of it as like a threshold Right. It's like this, this thing that gets filled up where we're, Mm -hmm. we've got all of our nervous system needs met. We're feeling really good. Mm -hmm. And then day by little by little throughout the day, right? It dwindles, right? It diminishes based on the, the energy we put out based on the self care and the Mm -hmm. nourishment we receive. Mm -hmm. And that's why we all lose our shit and feel Mm -hmm. worse and do worse towards the end of the day. Our kids included. Yeah, absolutely. Someone says, hi, your podcast. Bedtime lately has been the hardest. My seven-year-old gets upset at bedtime. Lately, cries and says, "I don't love her," etc. Won't accept me trying to help her. Oh, oh I'm so sorry, sorry that's happening. Sorry that's happening. Oh man. That's the so, what are you trying to help her with? I would be curious to know. So, you know, um, what is what is you know? I think we have to get really curious in those moments and say, mm-hmm. "What is it about um, these moments? Our kids' outbursts, their big feelings, their challenging behaviors? All of those." aren't, um, obstacles to us learning and growing and moving through the day clues clues and their opportunities to say, I'm noticing Mm -hmm. this pattern. My child is saying this or doing Mm -hmm. this. Why, why might that be? And so I'm just, I'm curious about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think wrapping up the, the, the child that is screaming a lot, the two and a half Mm -hmm. or three year old, right? Those moments when our kids are just barking at us and screaming in very high volume. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't want to blame them for it. Again, we don't wanna control their words or their volume. If they could use a normal volume, they would because it would feel better in their bodies, right? And they would, they know that it would uh, uh, like support our attachment better. So they're doing the best they can. If they could do better, they would. They would. it feels better. So what we can do is at the most protect ourselves. So in those types of um, situations or like during um, the drive home, for example, I put in slightly like loosened earplugs to just damper that noise. So if your kid comes to the dinner table and is like super loud and it's really Mm -hmm. hard for you, then you know it's gonna pass. They're gonna move through these things, but in the moment, so you can support them, put a little earplug in, get Mm -hmm. a little distance, protect yourself, remember that it's gonna happen, that they're doing what their nervous system needs. Mm -hmm. And then again, don't focus on the behavior, the sound, the volume, unless you think they could actually modulate that, which I kind of doubt that they could. Mm-hmm. So you just get to the need and say, what are you needing? Mm-hmm. I want to help you because yeah. meeting their needs is what's going to help regulate their bodies and their nervous systems yeah. to not yell, to not lash out, to and not do. What's so hard is we find ourselves in these moments and we realize, gosh, if I'd recognized this earlier, I could have met those needs earlier. Mm-hmm. So how can we take those moments of dysregulation that our kids are throwing at us bedtime, mealtime, hygiene time, morning transition time, and say, how can I back that up Mm -hmm. and say, how can I meet those nervous system needs earlier? How can I do some swings, some twirls, some wheelbarrow walks, some thumping with pillows, all of these things that give our kids something that they need. And a lot of kids need quiet. They need connection. They need snuggling and other kids need getting bowled over by a pillow on the bed Mm -hmm. over and over and over. What is your kid looking for? I love that. We're coming out with a self-reg, co-reg guide Mm -hmm. um, really soon in the next week or so where we have all of those strategies and those ideas about what we can do to calm our own nervous systems in those moments that we're feeling triggered or overwhelmed Mm -hmm. or flooded and that we can also support our kids before, during, and Mm -hmm. after those tricky situations also. Yeah. As far as the the kid who's seven gets upset Mm -hmm. at bedtime, says that the parent doesn't love them, won't accept trying to help. That's a hard situation. I would say, can you back that all up too? Mm -hmm. Not just in nervous system integration help, but also in time. It sounds like maybe this kid is a little bit overtired. Mm -hmm. I feel like that happens with a lot of us, especially in these summer months. We're just trying to get our needs met. We're trying to roll from potentially work into dinner, into a, um, a bedtime atmosphere. And I think that if we can keep our mind on the clock, not in a way to control or force our kids to obey a routine in any way, but just with a consciousness that we can convey to our kids as well, I'm just trying to move us toward bed for this reason. Can we be all moving toward that? Think, what is and, and instead of me helping hmm. you or forcing you or cajoling you or anything into your room or into your bed, what's your body needing? And coming you back know the to, that, to that conversation, what's right. your body needing right now? Right. And Bree mentions, adds, trying to help her calm down and help with feelings, trying to get to sleep. I'm figuring it's tiredness from the end of a long school day, which I bet it is. It's mm-hmm. overwhelmed. It's total max capacity, low body budget, right? Mm-hmm. As Mona would say. And so I think trying to help her calm down is it's really good feedback when our older kids mm-hmm. say, you don't you know know me you don't love me all these things Mm -hmm. that can feel really off-putting and scary to us but that's their communication language to say i'm really dysregulated i used to just cry and go mommy and hold on to you or i used to want to cuddle or whatever it is and now i'm seven and this is how i'm expressing my my sense of helplessness and dysregulation Mm -hmm. is by projecting it onto you and our relationship and so in those moments brie i think i would just say you're not feeling connected to me okay Thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that with me mm-hmm. i'm here right and you would just de-escalate the best mm-hmm. you can in the moment so we talk about presence in those tricky moments with our kids where we don't have to say too much we don't have to do too much
1: we, we can don't just, have
0: to teach anything we don't have to fix we don't have to teach we don't mm-hmm. have to control we can just say how can i help you you mm-hmm. tell me and putting the power back in our kids hands when it comes to their bodies their bedtime their emotions and things mm-hmm. can really be empowering to them And then after the fact, so after bedtime, the next day, you can Mm -hmm. say it was so tricky and things get a little bit wild and I don't know how to support you. What Mm -hmm. would help you? You tell me, I don't Mm -hmm. know what's best for you. Only you know that and we can experiment and try it out together, right? I love that. Someone shared 21 month uh, old biting and hitting finds it hilarious. Mm -hmm. I think that's another example of Mm -hmm. dysregulation that a lot of us don't Mm -hmm. necessarily um get right away we're like if they're laughing they're like a sociopath with, mm-hmm. while they're hurting somebody obviously they're unhinged this is really worrisome and scary but laughing while hurting or doing these behaviors is a I stress like, response yeah. it's it's anxiety mm-hmm. so it's it's just another face of of that kind of internal struggle that our kids have often yeah i mean our kids stress language is all so unique and diverse to them right it's like ours and- <laughs> it changes over time yeah so our so. kids might be super cryy and throw themselves on the floor when they're stressed. Or they could be clingy and just want to be all over you. Or right. they could run away. All of a sudden, my kids started fleeing anytime okay. they got upset. They're just, poof, gone. Right. Or they might be wanting reassurance and talking to you constantly. Yeah. Right? Or they might be angry and trying to attack you things will change over time. These are not behaviors and situations that are going to happen forever and, and or that need to be curbed or addressed yeah. necessarily. No. And so I think that that's what I would recommend is focus less on the behavior mm-hmm. focus less on your, what is I'm it farther down? Focus less. Keep going. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, focus less on the biting yeah. and the hitting. We, yeah, we've got a lot of I know, you skipped a focus, bunch of them. Focus less on the biting and the hitting, and focus on the needs. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're struggling. What are you needing? I'm going to protect my body. Okay, you're wanting to hit. Let's move you over here if you want to hit. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you really felt strongly about that. Popsicle. I'm so sorry that you wanted to go outside, and this isn't the time that we're going to go because we agreed about being inside for well, this thing. And that's a lot of talking, which can work depending on how dysregulated your child is. Someone mentions here: my three-year-old daughter always expresses her anger toward my husband with hitting and biting. How can we help her regulate? And I think again, like Keltie said, pre-regulate that up and get her body regulated before these trickier moments at mealtime, bedtime, car time, to school. That's the hard thing. Often all those kids things. are dysregulated, and we say. Go to your calm down corner take some deep breaths like how do you feel when you're really dysregulated and someone says calm down that makes me want to be late it's it's too late nowhere near there right now so we want to be preventative parenting not emergency (laughs) parenting if and when we can so thinking about one of these moments my daughter is attacking Mm -hmm. my husband and hitting and biting and getting Mm. into like feral fight flight freeze mode which is basically their their sympathetic nervous system going into total high arousal mode, right? Yeah. So that means they're dysregulated, their max capacity, their body budget is super low. And so we have to think, how did we contribute to this? What What could we be do, doing to support this? Mm-hmm. Are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they needing connection? Are they needing more agency or information? Do they need to right. regulate their nervous system by spinning or being upside down or Who getting fresh air or jumping or right. rolling or getting can pushed this, on? Can this demand that your partner is putting on this three-year-old, maybe be done in a different way, be done earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Be done post-regulation and integration activity, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on, but I think in the moment, if your child is attacking you, mm-hmm. age two to 12, right? You just you can't talk because actually the receptors in kids' ears and anybody's ears when they're in fight, flight, freeze mode in a sympathetic nervous system response mode mm-hmm. actually goes down to just hear like grunting animal sounds and Mm -hmm. focuses on survival so they can't actually hear a lot of our stuff what we have to do is exude that calm presence Mm -hmm. as best we can because it's hard block them and stop them lovingly and find a way to de-escalate the situation so that their thinking brain that prefrontal cortex can come back online mm-hmm. and they can connect and learn and grow and this applies yeah. to like two-year-olds freaking out and having a tantrum to four-year-olds hitting and biting to yeah. eight-year-olds rolling their eyes to 12 year olds having like a meltdown about this thing you did to them that's ruining their life like all of it is the same right and i think that it's so hard every now and then i'm like can we just compare this to parenting dogs because most of us had dogs before we had kids and it sounds really like judgmental in some ways or diminutive diminutive or or something. But I think that like a lot of us have had dogs where it's just a German shepherd who just needs to like sleep all day or, um, Mm -hmm. um, like a black, uh, like white lab or something like that. That's just like, they're so happy all the time. They need nothing. And then a lot of us have had dogs like a Chihuahua or a pit bull or an Australian shepherd that need to be run and need to be engaged and need these things. And basically every child needs all these things. Yeah. Every child, regardless of their temperament, regardless of what they're showing up with, regardless of how much they're challenging us and what they're mm-hmm. showing us they need, really, truly needs connection, nervous system integration opportunities. Loving limits. Loving limits. Fresh air outside. I mean, blaming a child for mm-hmm. biting somebody, it shouldn't be the child's fault because they were yeah. doing the best they could based on the skills they have with the nervous system they're experiencing in the yeah. world they're experiencing. And so such a huge part of this, preventing our kids from biting, hitting, hurting us and their environment is saying we are the accountable ones with the parents with the power Mm -hmm. and privilege in the relationship. And whenever we can, as much as possible, we need to be there to essentially save our toddlers and kids from themselves in these moments. I want to say that's true, but also it's going to happen. Yeah, it's okay. They're going to break stuff. They're going to bite people. They're going to bop babies. It's all okay. We're not bad parents for it. They're not bad kids for it. And I think no one tells us that no one's like, oh my God, you're pregnant. So your kids are going to like beat up other kids and your babies are going to bite people and you're going to be attacked. And someone's going to like, one of your kids is going to be like, you're the worst parent ever. Like no one shares these things with us. Yeah. And and I just want to normalize that and say, not only is this prevalent through all of our relationships or a lot of our relationships, but it's all okay. It's It's all part of the process and it's an opportunity to help our kids understand their needs and their nervous system. Right. And help us understand our needs and our kids needs. It's all relationship building and self building. Someone said raising kids is like training dogs and it's not training dogs. It's a tuning. It's a tuning to dogs. It's a tuning to kids. It's a tuning to partners. What are they needing? Where are they at their max capacity? What is their body asking for? Mm -hmm. How are they in relationship? It's it's more like whispering than, (laughs) than training. If you think about it, you know, partner, whispering, And Lacey, Lacey mentioned, how do I transfer these concepts over to our kindergarten teacher? So tired of the peace bench and notes about disrespect. That sounds like a timeout bench. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People like the attunement. Great. Thank you. It's fantastic. Thanks for being here. I mean, how do we connect with, gosh, that's something we're talking about in our upbringing community, the collective is how do we handle Mm -hmm. these things uh, where our kids are being impacted at their, their daycare, their kindergarten, their school, Mm -hmm. how do we support them and advocate for them when their caregivers are in a system or an institution that is kind of working against um Those the needs maybe. and the values yeah in a big way and they're doing the best they can all the teachers are like they're trying to get it done they're trying to manage so many kids right
1: yeah. it's
0: really tricky I think there's no real yeah. answer to that other than step up and advocate lovingly for what you think you need and what your child needs yeah and do it often and in small bits yeah. rather than let it build up and then kind of yeah, explode and be this big thing Mm -hmm. i think also saying do you have speakers come and talk to your teachers do you have speakers that come and talk to your families and parents because people like us and so many others out there Mm -hmm. are educators as well not just for parents but for schools and for teachers too yeah so um, and a lot of schools have budgets for that yeah bringing people on to connect and support those parents and those teachers you bet blair good to see you here it says, Hi, Hannah and Kelty, a bit off topic, I think, but I have a child who I suspect may have some ADHD neurodiversity. Do you have any accounts you'd recommend I follow for that kind of content? We do, and we, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've just started a circle in our membership community of ADHD uh, sensory processing disorder, SPD, um, parents, mm-hmm. or even parents who think their kid may be possibly diagnosed mm-hmm. um, with with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're, we've been like pulling together as all of those resources. And I don't have them on the top of my mind right now to, to mention, but there are some really great accounts out there that are basically talking about the same things we do, gonna which say, is saying it's really similar. It, it doesn't matter in a lot of ways. There are certain things that are really helpful to identify about a child who is diagnosed with mm-hmm. SPD or ADHD or autism, absolutely, for sure. The more we know and understand about mm-hmm. the spectrum and the needs and, um, and kind of like the profile of our child is really, really helpful. But also as far as what we need to do as parents is saying, how can we respond with connection instead of control? How can we figure out mm-hmm. a way to understand our kids and their needs and meet them to the best of our abilities that don't, um, Uh, undermine to a huge extent our own needs or our own values right it's it's a really tricky situation Mm -hmm. but um maybe we can put dm us and we'll send you um some of the resources that we're offering our community as well because there's some great folks out there and some great books that i've also got on our um our library list Mm -hmm. to read as far as the adhd um kind of uh profile yeah yeah i think it's so easy for us to think Great, our child has a diagnosis of ADHD or autism or SPD SPD or whatever it is. So I'm just going to send them to this therapist or this thing and I'm going to fix them. And I think a lot of what we focus on too at Upbringing is saying, how can we be working on our skills in supporting our kids? with connection over control with yeah. progress over perfection with learning how to engage respectfully with our kids in a way that's going to tune them into their bodies and their needs mm-hmm. and that's going to honor their diversity mm-hmm. all those things and, celebrate it. Yeah. and alongside maybe a diagnosis or an mm-hmm. occupational therapist or yeah. or another type of intervention like those are all great mm-hmm. yeah someone said it's so hard to explain to the grandparents they may welcome the, to welcome all of emotions mm. They view crying and tantrums as negative behavior and don't welcome it. It's so frustrating to break the generational cycle. I mean, yeah. And it, it's so frustrating to witness the difference <laughs> in generations. I think that that's what you're identifying here is like, it's painful to see the difference in, in what our, our parents maybe did to us. And also what they're mirroring now as grandparents right Mm -hmm. that brings up a lot for us right we talked about this in our teaming your triggers workshop that we're doing with jen right now and saying like wow that's really hard to to experience that as adults and then also though to think of like so what's our role what's our job as parents you know we have this opportunity to do it differently and how can we make it work with the family in our lives something else parenting in the wild that's in our in our um membership community is saying how can we support the people who are around our kids right in engaging with them in a way that aligns a little bit closer to where we are or at the very least how can we support our kids in processing what they experienced Mm -hmm. at kindergarten in their school with a grandparent and aunt and uncle a a a neighbor that felt a little bit different that felt a little bit tricky Yeah. Such a big ask. I mean, even we who cognitively understand that a kid's tantrum or big feelings or mean words is them struggling is not something we need to be kind of looking at in a binary way of good or bad or right or wrong or something to punish. We still struggle with that ourselves. So it's really extra hard. Like you said, Han, going into these situations where family members or people in the public are challenging that perspective and saying, no, that resistance bad. No, that attitude got to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Or no, those mean words are like, so disrespectful. Does anyone else have trouble parenting in the wild with other folks? It's really tricky. I mean, I think it's not just like feeling like, oh, I have to convince them and like, oh my gosh, I have my approach and my beliefs and my Mm -hmm. values and like, they don't get it. But also that feeling of like, a lot of people in our lives are tapping into these Still, these um, mm-hmm. these beliefs that we have that these little like people that sit on our shoulders and say, "Do you really feel like that old white dude?" Yeah, yeah <laughs> really? Exactly. though that's so permissive, right? right? Really, just get them into line. Really, just you're show are the, who's, who's boss. boss. Yeah, show him who's boss. Right? I love that. Are you in charge? Yeah. <laughs> actually, who's actually right? in charge here? Yeah, I think that that's what's so uncomfortable about these moments mm-hmm. with our our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles is that not just that there's a dissonance in how we're showing up versus Mm -hmm. how they are, but how they're really keying into something that we're still working through, that Mm -hmm. that little person on our shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Something we talk about a lot in the Upbringing Collective. Absolutely. And we've made a handful of reels, those kind of clap back reels. Like someone Mm -hmm. says, like what you let her leave the house that way, what you let her like have a tantrum that way, what you let her like eat and just be picky about her food. So disrespectfully, whatever it is, And how do we kind of like open that up in a way, not to like aggressively combat what they said, but to um, engage in a way that says, you know, here's where I'm coming from. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what we're needing. Here's where we're on this journey. Mm -hmm. And here are my fucking personal boundaries, people. Uh That's the hardest part (laughs) for those of us who are uh, people pleasers, perfectionists, right? Um, Lacey mentioned, I've enforced boundaries with my parents in their role as grandparents that I was Mm. not able to choose for myself as their own child. Wow, that is huge work. That is (coughs) game-changing generational labor. That is incredible, and that is no easy feat. (coughs) Excuse me, that's okay. Blair said, Lacey, that must feel so healing. Super happy for you and for your kiddos. Grateful they have you. Someone else said, yes, in-laws, were in town, and it was a challenging weekend. Someone else said, you give them, quote unquote, you give them too many choices. That's why they act this way. Mm, That's Just the lock key. them in, tell them what they oh. can do and what they can't. Mm-hmm. Right, you're being too lenient. You're being too accommodating, right? Those you're feelings. giving them too much power. You're being too permissive, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone asked, isn't it potentially quite terrifying to a child if they don't feel An adult is in charge though. Like what do you folks think about not authoritarian authority? Is Mm -hmm. that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. And I mean in charge, right? Like I love talking about quote unquote Mm -hmm. in charge. What does that mean? Does in charge mean controlling another person's thoughts, feelings, words, and bodies, Mm -hmm. right? Or does being in charge mean setting up loving limits, giving information stopping when the the need is there, changing your mind, changing your mind. If the need arises and processing and translating that right. When we think about those leaders, those inspiring leaders that we have in our Mm -hmm. lives or that we know of, or have read about are those people who are authoritarian and who are, are dogmatic dogmatic in their, in their ways of saying my way or the highway that I think we're programmed to believe in our culture, that that creates safety because that basically, um, condones the type of control that, um, typical authority warrants. Right. And it does. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that so much about parenting in this way is opening that question up and deciding for ourselves, what feels right? How much power do I want to exert over my children? What is that Mm -hmm. teaching them? Right. What is that? How's that affecting our relationship Mm -hmm. over time? right? How is that affecting their self-concept of who they are and what their needs are? Yeah, We want to be a little bit careful about that. Kids, everybody needs structure. Everybody needs some boundaries, but those need to be loosely held, Mm -hmm. right? And they need to be in negotiation within a, a safe way so that kids can know they have authority over their bodies, their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, right? Yeah. I love that you bring that up of like, is it terrifying to a child that they don't feel an adult is in charge and it can be, yeah. but I think it's a, it's terrifying to an adult if they don't think that they're in charge. And I think that that's where we're all coming from is saying, this is so scary. If I give up a little bit of power to my child, if I make this a negotiation, yes, we do negotiate in our family. Mm-hmm. What will happen? Mm-hmm. Will it be chaos? Will it be harder? It could be a little harder. Will it be more complicated? Yes, it could be more complicated, but we're teaching our kids about power over. We're teaching our kids about power and privilege Mm -hmm. and how to engage in conversations around that. I mean, there's a great example that just happened in my house the other day, and I hope that this could help you um, ignite academic coach. Um, So my, I drop my kids off back at home after school. My husband is on board for the next several hours. And my daughter likes to just kind of start baking. (laughs) That's her, basically Mm -hmm. her sensory integration desire is to touch materials, to put together things right now. That's what she likes Mm -hmm. to do. And then my son gets home and he, his sensory desire, his sensory seeking moment is to say, I want to chew crunchy things. Right? And so he'll have a snack, they'll get a snack, but then he'll want to keep eating. And so my husband got really triggered and saying, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I can't take this. You, daughter, are baking and making a mess and eating the baking stuff that you're making. And it's not okay because then you won't eat dinner and there's a huge dishes mess. Son, who's six, you are snacking, snacking repeatedly, not putting anything away, and then also not being ready for dinner. And so what my husband's immediate feeling was, to be so when he's feeling powerless, right? Which most of us do mm-hmm. is that we try to exert our power to feel more in control. Right. And so they, he was like, no, we're not doing this and started putting down hard lines, Just shut it down, which what you would be yeah. doing in like an authoritarian type <clears throat> of situation. Right. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to help them feel quote unquote safe in the decisions I'm choosing for them based on my own, basically my own needs, which my husband was like, he could be serving dinner at four o'clock instead. He wasn't thinking about those things ahead of time. What could I be doing? He was just saying, this isn't working with my uh, expectation, my script for the way I want this afternoon to play out. And so something I stepped in to support a little bit because I'm not always there right when I drop off at school, I do my own thing for a little bit and then come back, was saying, how can I actually show up in a way that's gonna create more security than just shutting down The shutting down creates actual separation. It creates insecurity. It makes the kids feel that, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. my needs to bake or to eat or snack doesn't matter. That's wrong. My parent is saying that's wrong. Oh gosh, Mm -hmm. that's not security. That's insecurity. Oh my gosh, I'm wanting to do this thing and my parent doesn't trust me and isn't listening to me and isn't advocating to support this. That's not security. That's insecurity. And so what I wanted to offer was not... Um, the permissive approach, which would say, just eat all you want, just bake and make a mess. Right. Mm -hmm. I think our minds immediately go to, if we don't crack down, then we're letting it all go. And it's total Mm -hmm. chaos. That's not true. So much about the work that we do at upbringing is saying, we're going to find a middle way to create actual security, not just perceived adult security Mm -hmm. for themselves, but security, but security that, involves the parent and the child in relationship. Right? Mm -hmm. So I said, daughter, what do you need? You love doing this thing. Is it about touching things, right? Is it about about stirring, mixing mixing. and stirring and doing things with your hands? What is it? And son, you like the crunchy thing. How much of that crunchy thing is really necessary for you to feel like you're done. And we talked it out. Mm -hmm. And my daughter said, you know, I think I could actually just bake twice a week. Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever it is, but just two times a week. And I actually will clean all of it up and it will be great. Right. And my husband was like, she actually does clean up really well. And she said, I will agree to not eat the ingredients before dinner and I'll eat whatever I've baked after dinner and I'll serve it to all of you. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, that sounds reasonable and wonderful. That's security. That's an adult taking charge is engaging with what a child actually needs. Not just holding a hard limit. That's arbitrary yeah. and that's one sided. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to my son. Okay. So you're wanting to choose some things you wanting to have. How many snacks would you need? What could we predict and expect and set an mm-hmm. agreement towards to try and figure out? He was like two. I want yogurt and applesauce and then I want a crunchy chip. Mm-hmm. And then I will let the, the, the kitchen go. And we're like, okay, then the kitchen won't be off limits until mm-hmm. dinner. And my daughter also agreed to help with making dinner those few nights that she wasn't baking. So she could still be doing those things with her hands Mm -hmm. that felt good, but they were actually moving toward dinner rather than like delaying it because she was using the kitchen for baking. So in those moments, my husband was probably thinking you are being so permissive, indulging this conversation with them about Mm -hmm. overeating snacks and baking and snacking before dinner. Mm -hmm. But what we actually came to was incredible relationship building needs, understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Between people and a plan that was really collaborative, mm-hmm. right? And that it's been feeling really, really good this week. And so that, I just use that as an example to say, this is what not permissive parenting and not authoritarian parenting are, but what productive, middle of the way, respectful, engaged, relationship-based parenting is. We can't get it right all the time. It worked out this week. It was a really great example. I want to say too, yeah. we can't keep it right. Like yeah. it's going to evolve. Yeah. And that's what's so like hard and great about all these things is yeah. it's an evolving conversation with our kids. Mm-hmm. Like this might work this week, next week, back to the drawing boards. And nice. that's okay. That's There's something liberating about that, hopefully, of saying for myself, for my kids, how can we come back to the drawing boards about anything? Mm-hmm. Mealtime, like shared space stuff, routine stuff, anything. Mm-hmm. How can we come back to the drawing board and make that kind of a family A family thing saying, how are you feeling about this thing? How are you feeling about this thing? Oh my God. Every time I ask that it's opening up a can of worms, but also building incredible skills and connection through the whole process. When my husband was shutting it down, my daughter was getting in his face and saying, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. She's Mm -hmm. eight. And Lacey mentions people comment how confident and independent my Mm -hmm. children are. And I feel it is because of this way of parenting and connecting. And of course it could be interpreted. My daughter is being entitled and selfish and all of these things. But what she's really asserting in those moments is self-advocacy, self-respect, right? Consent, all of these things. She's saying, we need to actually have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You can't just tell me what to do. And those are the skills we ultimately want our kids to learn is that they can't be told what to do without knowing, and they can't tell other people what to do without knowing and connecting either. It's really, really, it's life skills. Can we evade that kind of let it all go? versus shutdown culture. Mm -hmm. Can we work that middle that you talked about? Mm -hmm. That's the tricky part. That's what we talk about in our community is like that whole middle ground of of needs-based conversations, of boundaries-based conversations with our kids. None of us grew up knowing this stuff. I mean, most of us are here saying, I don't know, what what are my personal boundaries? I'm not quite sure until they've been crossed. Right, or unless we ask our child. I probably wouldn't have been okay with my daughter baking every night of the week. When I asked her, she was like, I could probably just bake twice a week. Sounds about right for me. And I was like, great, that actually works for me really (laughs) well. It's kind of incredible. What happens when we actually engage our kids in conversation about these things? Lacey said this ability to identify and discuss their needs now will set them up for their own grown-up relationships. Oh, yeah. Someone else said evolving conversations with our kids and our spouse. Yes. Yeah. My son wouldn't get in the car the other day. Can you find that other comment that we can do before we wrap up here? Mm, Which one? Um, But my son wouldn't get in the car the other day, and he had wanted more candy from the cute little candy shop we stopped at. And we just called it. He didn't have his own money to to buy the candy. My husband had bought a few things, little things, and we'd mm-hmm. gone and gotten a little, um, uh, like, um, soft serve. And we just we were like, we 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 don't feel like we want to buy more candy for you. You can have your money, and we can go back. Mm-hmm. And he just like didn't want to go. And he was like climbing on the car around the parking lot, didn't want to do anything. And my husband was like, just pick him up and put him in the car. And I was like, that could be one option. <laughs> But what could happen if we did that? And what would he learn, right? That he can be dominated or that he can dominate another person based on his stuff. I said, let's wait. Let's wait and let him move through the feelings of resistance, uh, through the feelings of disappointment Mm -hmm. and get to the other side. Let's tell him when he's receptive, give him information. Our cat hasn't been fed and he's hungry. We're all here and we're waiting and we're ready to go whenever he is. It's hard to wait and to want more. We totally get that. And with a little bit of time rather than using our control and our power over him, right? He just got in the car and was ready to go home. And that doesn't always happen, but that was another example where again, trying to connect and connect through not just explaining and talking, but through just waiting it out and staying calm and staying Mm -hmm. curious really, really helped in those moments for us. that, Like that idea of doing more by doing less it's so huge yeah. especially for our spirited kids who do less when we do more <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, totally let's be serious it makes them resist when, more <laughs> yeah. it makes them resist more and i think a lot of kids like we culturally think i'm going to double down on this i'm going to go harder i'm going to say no this is actually a serious thing no really let me tell you why this is so important but- and i'm going to make you and for some kids maybe depending on their on their buckle on. on their tr- temperament or trauma history they'll buckle and they'll do it and other kids it might make it go even longer right when if we would have said you need to get in the car now and this is not okay how how easy would it be for him to say okay i'm gonna let go and you win and i'm gonna get in the car we had to make it so that there was no resistance between can we like the standoff yeah like fuck the standoff like no more of this Mm -hmm. i think this is part of our process too in like in like going against the patriarchy and going against sexism and going against racism and all these things that say, go right up hard against it and fight and push and dominate. Like truly, how can we say, I'm going to, I'm going to be a pacifist in this moment. I'm going to be a respectful, like adversary, even in these moments. Mm Mm-hmm. To try to get both of our needs met. Really? I think a huge part. I mean, my husband was uncomfortable in those moments because he felt like I was being permissive and I wasn't doing anything. And he was like, Mm. what are you doing? And I was like, I'm waiting it out. That's an actual skill that I'm showing. Not doing. What am I doing? I'm talking to him and staying very calm. That's an actual skill that's helping him feel ready to come into the car. All of these things that we do and that we're trying to do in this gentle parenting, respectful parenting way are ways that our culture doesn't value because They don't control people and get immediate fast results what they do is build relationship and intrinsic motivation and they grow Mm -hmm. people and relationships and communities over time and that's not valued in our culture generally speaking Mm -hmm. and i had to show my husband what i'm doing and sitting here waiting is not permissive it's productive Mm -hmm. what i'm doing and not controlling my kid's body and putting them in the car but instead rolling my window down and engaging with a little humor and Mm -hmm. checking in with them with some little information after they had chilled a little bit wasn't permissive it was productive right and it worked it showed that it proved that but it's really hard to believe that and someone mentions that their partner struggles with that someone said yes trying to create submissive robots that's what our culture wants to do it wants to create people and systems and groups that are easy to control and to make money from that's true but it like it does, but we do too because we're yeah. so tired and we're yeah. like struggling so much. We've had a hard day and we're just like, please mm-hmm. get in the fucking car. Or please go to sleep or please all these things. And that's so much <clears throat> of what we talk about in the upbringing collective and our membership group is, oh my gosh, I'm struggling so much with this. I'm trying to meet my needs. I'm trying to meet my kids needs. How do we do those things together? That's so like such a big part of our and community. with our partner. Someone says, yeah. how do you recommend getting your spouse on the same track when it comes to helping our children manage their big feelings? Mm-hmm. I can usually see where it's coming from. And my spouse goes reactionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have that context. Maybe we're doing more of the work. Maybe mm-hmm. we were parented a different way. There's so many factors mm-hmm. that impact how we show up with our kids in a moment versus how our spouse, and it's not who's the better parent. It's not who's the more developed or perfect person. It's about, Who has the least amount of trauma, essentially, and the highest skills currently. So I think so much about it is saying, how can I get in relationship with my spouse Mm -hmm. or my partner or my Mm co-caregiver just as I am with my child? And we talk about that a lot in the the membership collective also. is saying, how can we find a way to ally together? How can I build awareness, not inside the moment? I really struggle in the moment to not go really hard on my spouse Mm -hmm. and be really tough on him and shame him as Mm -hmm. a lot of us, maybe would our children in their tougher moments to say, instead, can I look at them with compassion? (sighs) Can I look at them with grace? Can I look at them with a sense of this can't get fixed in this moment when they're freaking out and struggling, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of my child and create and deescalate as much space and time as I can. And then I'm going to come back to my spouse later and process that and create a space to grow and learn together. In whatever way they learn, they're learning language, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, go yeah. ahead. Like, no, we're reading, name podcasting, okay. <laughs> Instagram videos. videos, yeah, whatever it is. A counselor, whatever it is. Yeah. What would help my partner, spouse, or co-caregiver get on board a little yeah. bit with me? Not in a pathological, they're punitive. wrong, they're bad, they're a punitive way, yeah. but saying you're you're where you are, where where we are. I think that's the, the question is. How can we hold our partners accountable in a way that we want to try to hold our kids for their behaviors and their actions in a loving way, in a connective way, in a how can I support you in growing way, in a patient way, in a patient way. But also, I think maybe more for our partners than even our kids and saying, I need you to try to be this. I need you to try to learn this. I need you to be mirroring this. I need you as a partner in this Mm -hmm. in a way that we can't ask our kids because we are their attachment figure. Right. So it's not the same as with our kids. No. It has to be a little bit different with our spouses. Maybe we have to go to therapy with them and say, let's work this family. out with a, we always high five, with a mediator. Let's work this out saying, here's what I'm needing. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's where you're, I'm feeling a little bit short from you in rounding this out for our family and growing to these goals that I hold so close yeah and or i know you do too let's do this needs or whatever it is yeah. therapy not being a punishment but being an opportunity to grow yeah. together right to connect yeah persona graham uh, said i'm with you in de-escalating what about safety concerns my son has run under parked cars and into traffic and that's again on us and our accountability to say we can't not let them de-escalating. de-escalating that's we, safety management we, we can't do that we have to preemptively keep our kids safe so that they don't do those things and if they do, if they do because they, they will ch- Cause yeah my kid my kid does yeah and hannah's hannah has never had kids who put themselves in danger ever never ever like we can try to preempt it for sure and then those moments that we can't we're just on it right that's not about de-escalation it's about safety and that's okay right. and we'll circle back on that later That's a big topic that we're going to talk about tomorrow, actually on our weekly coaching call with the upbringing collective. So check it out on our website. If you want to join monthly Mm -hmm. is the circle back, the power of the circle back. How can we teach not in the moment where we want to fucking grill their asses and tell them why, what they're doing isn't working for us or tell the impact of their behaviors and their feelings and all the things. How can we connect later in a way that's shame-free that's consent-based that's connective that's going to to build a relationship and Do all the things that none of us got, right? That's what we're talking about tomorrow. Yeah, and knowing our kids will outgrow those behaviors of of pushing away, climbing under under cars. Yeah, my son's six, and I'm hoping he will soon, sooner than later. Mm -hmm. It's hard, so I get that. Absolutely, we're all here together. We're all growing up together. Thank you so much for being here. This is such just a happy place for us. Is connecting (laughs) with you all. If you had extra questions. Um, or comments feel free to dm us and we'll try our best to get to you Um, we just so value these moments together and um, we hope that they were supportive to you as well thanks for being here we're gonna sign off we'll be back next week bye everyone